0: Stories are everything. They help us understand the world and reflect on how we should live in it. They help us engage with the big, unwieldy issues we encounter in our lives. At their best, they allow space for dialogue and celebrate collective experience. In this storytelling episode, we hear from Alan Lane of Slunglow Theatre Company. Alan shares their story of challenge, innovation, and change associated with their relocation to the oldest working men's club in Britain, called the Holbeck in Leeds. Alan joins Impact's Head of Creative Change, Dom Fitch.
1: Well, it's really nice to chat to you. Thank you very much for making time for us today. My pleasure.
0: I've been looking forward to this.
1: Good. I'd, I'd be really interested in hearing from you, telling us a bit more about, uh, about where you are, I'm. Assu- I- I'm assuming. Are you at the Holbeck now?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm in the club. I'm in the. Um. I'm in what is now called the kids' room, and was up until very recently the president's room, where he would come and smoke with his friends. Uh, and that room is just off the big event room in the oldest working men's club in Britain. So it's called the Holbeck. It's in South Leeds, in a in a little borough co- called Holbeck, and it is downstairs a really old fashioned working men's club as you would expect, and upstairs. It's a 250-seater event space where, since 1877, the people of this place have had their christenings, their cabarets, their New Year's Eve parties, and any other high day and holiday. Uh, And we moved in two years ago, uh and um took over as managers but not as owners uh paid off all the debts to the club and then started running it as a as a, keeping it as a club but also as a community and art space for all the people who live in holbeck
1: and and if i'm right when you were taking it over as well that the the club was facing demolition is that right yeah it'd been run by volunteers for a number of
2: years uh and on the one hand incredibly successfully uh because it hadn't closed and and their and their work and their achievement is to be honored but also not very successful in the sense that membership wasn't increasing uh there was no there was no kind of economic model out for them to operate out of out of trouble and they were getting really tired there were a, a reasonably elderly group of volunteers who had started to um, become quite tired about it. And the, the interesting thing I, f- I think for that for us is that they were made up of the volunteers, this committee of kind of 20 people who would just basically pour pints for free. They were made up of the, the different parts of the community that wanted the club to be a success. So there was a, a leaderless Christian group, the kind of old traditional men who drank, families who come in, have been used here for generations. And they created a sort of, well, a, a partnership, an entente cordiale, where they would all work together. But that, but that, that was only a small part of the community that could use this place. And so, when we came in, one of the tensions and one of the po- positives was like, we will be in service to you. So we will do all of that work. We will clean, and we will pour, and we will, and we will pay a lot of money to keep the club going. But the deal is that everybody now must use it, and that's a really interesting tension because it's about. It's not about people losing anything, but it's about other people gaining things. And that and that was that was that's really tense for people. People people find that really hard. Um
1: Yeah, that, that's that's one one of the things I think is is so interesting about um why why I think your story really resonates with with um with people who will be listening to this podcast. So it's colleagues and friends of impact, because it's it's really a story about how how you know you turn around the, the, the fortunes of, of a fading enterprise, a fading organization but at the same time it's done through doing things differently. You know, it's 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 trying new things out. It's making bold decisions. So, so you know, you've just alluded to one that, there, and um, it's it, it, how else have it, you know some of the decisions that that you implemented coming in? Do you think that really helped to to change things? Well, I think
2: the first thing we did was ask all the people who who had a had a stake in this place, what do you want? And I was really interested that that and 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 we're a reasonably small funded arts organisation, but within the context of our area, we're very well funded. We have cash. And so when someone comes along and says, what do you want? I thought, oh my goodness, they might say all sorts of things that we can't deliver. And actually they didn't. They said really basic things. They wanted the pub to stay open on a Sunday afternoon. They wanted the snooker room to be protected. They wanted the pint of beer to stay the same. All of that stuff. And we said, right, everything you want, we are going to do. But... And that's going to be protected. At the same time, we are going to turn this into the most open, transparent community center we can, and the most successful art center we are capable of doing. And we've got some game in this. Like we, we we have some experience in that. Not that's not an empty promise. And everyone said yes, absolutely. So then we set about doing that. We put on really big shows with Davina de Campo and and you know a cabaret with 25 people. We did all the stuff that we're good at. And and the and the we delivered every single promise that we, that we made. The tension came in or where the need for innovation and change came in is that everyone hadn't quite imagined what that might feel like. And they got really upset about it. And so then our job was to say... And we, and I was so pleased. We were so clear in the promises we made, so that then when and and here they really do play with live ammunition. They don't mess around. They do. They come for you, and we were able to say we have done everything. single. Include we we've paid off tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt. We invested thousands of pounds in making the place better. We've done everything we've promised. And they and people will often say yes, but we didn't think it would look or feel like this. And we're like ah, now that's. Now that's now that's difficult, and and we're very comfortable now in saying we can help you through that process, but you're going to have to get over that. So really simply, there are we live in a community with a lot of black and brown people. They were not they were not always made to feel very welcome. Our absolute cast iron steel threat was they will be made to feel welcome, or I will you know, or we will take it down, and. And actually, that's a really that's a really big thing for a community to do. I mean, the biggest courage there is for that community to decide they want to come and use this space, um, and then there and then there are people having to change really deep seated behaviours and being really challenged by that. And that that was a long process. It's a very difficult process. And I would say that we wouldn't have been through that process except for then COVID hit, and then uh, the most kind of dramatic example of how we constantly in service to our communities we became a food bank. But actually, we would the mechanics of that was there beforehand. We were constantly saying to all the people who live here, what do you want this place to be? And then just doing it. And I think that in removing ourselves or kind of the ego of that, because there's enough of our egos for us to do that, that, that actually that, that's where we ended up doing things that were really surprising uh, to us. We, we put on a lot of kids work outside and we would just, you know, the simple act of saying, Dom, what do you want this place to be? I'd really like it if you had a clown show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's quite easy to achieve. And <laughs> I want that because then you would come and you would bring all your family and you have never been in the building before. And we were like, Oh, that changes how we feel. Or mm. you know, we, we did a lot of Ghanaian funerals and weddings and you have 250 Ghanaian people upstairs. That, that's a hell of a political statement. Mm. Of course, it isn't. It's just a simple, we were just fulfilling our promise. But that's a real radical change. Um, it all came from service. Mm.
1: I guess, yeah, so so much of that resonates again, just about uh, any work that we would do in that space of change. A lot of that work is to do with individual behaviour shifts, actually, rather than systemic changes. So if, if your behaviour is that you're used to it being like this, then actually it's a lot harder to actually envisage anything that isn't that. Or is it so so when actually what you're doing is about introducing new rather than changing the old, it's those new things that you're gonna have to sort of embrace and and think about. And and actually it's you know, it takes a, a big shift for individuals to go there. But I know it's been a great success. Um but but I also think, you know, some of the individual um shifts that that the the, the organization made, uh so this is slung low, in terms of your um talk a bit about the uh, the the pay what you decide mentality of how users can actually you know uh, come come and work and and, and be part of the club because I just think that's such a a fundamental shift in how any organisation thinks about service
2: we're in a a very challenging world where the people who live immediately around the club don't have the sort of money or necessarily the cultural experience to decide that what they want to do is spend £10 and go and see a piece of theatre so for us the innovation came out of practicality If, if our mission, we're, we're very values different, we have this, this series of sort of very JFK style phrases that we like to say to keep ourselves going and, and one of them was we're for the people of Hobbit, we are Hobbit theatre and 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 another one is that we genuinely believe in excellence we genuinely believe we're going to put a play on it should be an amazing play that you could go and see in any theatre in this country and those two are sometimes in opposition because or they look like they are because you go well actually if you go and see that play that's worth £25 or £45 well firstly the people around here don't have that money secondly they don't even know they want to spend it on this because they don't they're not sure yet what it is and thirdly we're 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 subsidized by the public purse we still live in a country where we spend 500 million pounds of public money every year on the arts and, and we believe that that money and the money we get means that the people of Holbeck should have the best cultural life they possibly can irregardless of how much money they have and so those things come together in us going well if price is a barrier partly because of finances, but also because people don't even know they value this yet. You know, they don't They don't know it's worth it. So why would they spend it? Then we should remove that entirely. And if we're really for everybody, then like the NHS, like libraries, like the national parks, like the best parts of this country, we should be free at the point of use because we're already being paid for by the people from the Commonwealth. And so everything we do here, apart from the beer, obviously people always go, with the beer, and you go, no, not the beer, but everything else is pay what you decide. And, um, that means that the, the audience isn't a customer. There's something else. They are engaging in a very complicated and often quite a frustrating set of choices. People often get quite frustrated. You watch a play and at the end of it, you're like, well, I don't know how much I should give. And I'm like, well, you decide. That's It's not pay what you can. It's not pay what you feel. It's pay what you decide. And they're like, well, I don't know how much this is worth. And I'm like, well, you decide. Because... You're watching the performer in front of you. So you're aware that that person has had to be here, that might have to stay. They might have to stay in a hotel. They would have to eat. They, they're accompanied by a technician, that this thing probably had to be rehearsed. You're trying to think about. And then you're also, uh, that's something we might do together as an audience. We might look at what a thing costs as, as a cont- contribution to the worth. But then we're also thinking, I can't give any more than the money in my pocket. So if I've got 500 pounds in my pocket and you've got five pounds in your pocket and I give 200 and you give five pounds, which of us valued that more? so all of a sudden this this isn't an act of generosity this becomes an act of politics it becomes an act of citizenship if you give everything you've got you have valued that thing greatly if i give a fifth of what i've got but i have a lot more i have not valued that thing as greatly so when we look at value and worth all those things are part of the uh part of the conversation it's incredibly annoying even i find it annoying i'm like i don't know what i'm meant to give but actually um in understanding why we are here, why we spend this money in this community, why this club is here, that's part of the things that the the community have to go through to understand what the value of this thing is. It's not my job to tell them how much it's worth. It's their job to tell me how much it's worth.
1: Mm. And and that that fundamental shift, I think, um, you know that that's that's a new model in in one sense. You know, you're you're inviting people, as you say, to really think about value, to think about worth, and um, again, something which we which we encourage people that we work with at impact to think about is is you know the the idea and the notion of their organization really is just a community of people in service of another community of people when you fundamentally break anything down in an organization that's what it boils down to that you're doing something which is in service of another group of people and and clearly there's a value attributed to that but but when you start to be able to pick that apart and say you know well well who who holds that power? Where does it really, you know, sit? And actually a lot of uh people talk about, you know, putting customer first and putting, you know, them at the heart of everything. And I think here's a a real extreme example of where that's been actually not just a very bold and courageous thing to do, but it's also if I'm right so it's been a very successful model as well, because you've actually been able to to increase revenue quite a lot in terms of what the arts are uh are worth. Yeah,
2: I I um... I think, well, the first thing it does is is it increases the amount of money this company has to do other artistic things. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily see an increase in box office, but what it does do is so we do this. Everybody knows they come, and it might be that all the people who come see the cabarets that we do, we might be able to charge £30 a ticket, say. But realistically, on the pay, what you decide is £8 a head. So on the one hand, you're like, oh, you've lost money. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, Except for then someone comes along and they do regularly and say, I love what you're doing so much. I'll give you £3,000. Now, they're only giving us £3,000. And that and that, and that that person might be a private donor or it might equally be a, a, a charity or, a, or, a, or an NGO or a, a government. And the majority of our income is from that. Our majority of our income isn't from that immediate capitalist uh, customer base of I give you service, you give me money, but from a much wider conversation. So it has definitely increased the amount of money we get. It's also increased us as an organisation. Our job is to provoke change. When we first did this eight years ago, and, and I suppose to clarify for people who don't work in the arts, is our job is to provoke change in the arts. We are we are a campaigning organisation. We believe that everyone should have access to the best possible culture in this country, and that isn't true, and that needs to change, and it's partly our job to help make that happen. When we first did pay what you decide, people openly laughed at us. I mean, we genuinely like, wait, wait. So you've just become a bunch of communists down there in South Leeds. And now I don't know a single organisation, up to and including the National Theatre of England, who doesn't, at some point, do a pay what you decide model. It isn't the answer to everything, and it and it and it, it can do a lot for you, and it also is is not perfect, and it has problematic. It, if you're if you're a if you're a uh, profit driven organisation, it is profoundly problematic, but it. It, it's become almost the norm now. In eight years, we've gone from something that was laughable and seen as almost childish and naive to something that is pretty much done. You always know when an idea is done so well is when it's done badly by people <laughs> who don't understand it. You're like, oh, now we've made it. And I see so many organisations going, we're going to expand our audiences. We're, we're doing pay what you, what you can afford. And you're like, oh, God. But you know that it's become part of the... Um, uh, part of the of the the furniture when they're getting it wrong. And and that has been really telling. And that gives me real confidence about the other changes we want to make in the industry. If mm. and without without a massive amount of effort, by simply the act of doing and then telling the story back to the sector quite honestly, not not by saying, Oh, it solves all your problems. We've we've had a real impact and that makes me emboldened for the other impacts we're gonna have.
1: Yeah, and that and that again, such a such a great way in which you've articulated that, but that the the a wealth of difference between the kind of intent and then action and then the 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 ability to then retell action as a story back to back to an audience as a way in which you know often we find a get again in 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 organizations where impact would work it's sort of like well we've tried that and it won't work or and it's like well yeah that that's because of the context you were in and perhaps the people that were there you know that that these things need courage and they need resilience and they need people to start to push the dial a bit to shift and change the nature of how work happens because that's you know that's a really imperative thing but um I'd I'd like to pick up as well on on that term story again because I know it's something that's at the heart of stuff that you do which is just about how how you can tell that story how you can own that story um and and how you can involve I guess in, in the case of the whole bit, the people in the community in the telling of that story as well. So it becomes, you know, that they're not just a passive audience, but they they are active tellers of what it is that they want to happen there.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's something that, that we're, we've come to understand the importance of more. Uh, there, there comes a point when you're an artistic director of anyone is that you're just so fed up of doing radio interviews that you just, you're so bored of yourself. Um, and a couple of years ago, we, 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 have, we don't have a board because we don't operate as a charity. Um, which is unusual for arts an orga- arts organization, but we do, have, we do have a community advisory board, which is people who have a stake in us, mostly the people who live around us, but not just. And those people are all lay people, they're not people who work in the arts, and they're not the great and the good, but they're incredibly powerful within our organization. If they tell us to do something, we will do it, even up until the point where it might not be the most sensible idea in the world, we find a way to make it work, uh, that we give them that authority. And we started to say, well, we'd be much better if you could talk to the funders. It'd be much better if you could talk to the press. Me going on the radio and talking about how, I mean, notwithstanding what I'm talking to you, but this is a treat for me. You know, going on and talking about how great we are is really not a very good look. Um, There are many different models of leadership and and we we see ourselves both as as leaders of change and also as storytellers at all times, even when we're just thumping and thumping baked beans into the backs of vans and the food bank. And there are very many different models and Uh, And we we try and, and function two of them at the same time, one of which is the kind of model of running to the top of the hill as fast as I can in the hope that that inspires you to chase me up there and get faster. And that, that's something that we're doing in the art sector. We always say, kind of come come with us. Come on, we've done this. Follow us this way. Let's go. Let's get some change. Let's be more culturally democratic. Let's be more transparent. Let's be, be for everybody. And then there's also that aspirational one where instead of showing you, it's, it's, it's me just trying to get you to understand what you are capable of doing because you are brilliant, because these things are possible, because you can be courageous. People often kind of the kind of a kind of Obama model of... And if you do those things both at the same time, uh, then then that that's our mission constantly, to try and keep those. What we've discovered recently, which your question kind of alluded to, is if it's not me doing that Obama bit, if it's somebody else who has been uh, affected and transformed by what we're doing, that's so much better. That's so much better. Yeah. And that's bad news for me because the Obama bit is what I love. The, the Henry V speech is what I get out of bed for. And I'm like, oh, i got to do less of them. And uh, here we have a cultural community college, which is which is basically a slightly complicated adult education of everything from bread baking to blacksmithing to pyrotechnics so we teach as much as we can to adults and 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 in the recent years what we've said is we began by saying if you come to a class dom you can decide what we do next term so you can program then after a while we were like i bet dom can do something really brilliantly that other people would want to so we said well what is it you can do and well i bake a really good loaf of bread Okay, hang on a minute. How can we help you to? And those classes are always the most popular ones. It doesn't matter what they're in. Mm. There are people who have come from the colleges, participants who are now teaching We've got one coming up. Guy's going to teach people how to make donuts because he makes. I mean, honestly, Dom, these are the donuts of kings. But he's just. It's <laughs> not a baker. He's just a guy who makes a really good donut, I and mean, that that is that is so powerful. When that when that asp- mm. when that is aspirational comes from not us but the people who work with us that's so much more powerful
1: yeah so true and and again the context of that is you know probably within his own little network his family and his neighbors may have tasted those doughnuts, but what you're spotlighting is, is audience to that, right? You're, you're giving community, you're giving, you're giving other, and I guess in an organizational sense, you're giving other stakeholders, other shareholders, other people who might be able to appreciate that value. And I think it just it again resonates so true of, of, of just where great leadership happens in, in organizations which we would work with, which you know, we would call it the liberation of human potential, the opportunity to actually see in an organization. Organization and really help people to thrive and become the best versions of themselves, and that does take great leadership. But it also takes, you know, those great uh, those great opportunities and systems around them to really help to shift and, and 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 elevate those people. Thinking about you know the journey and the story that the Holbeck's been on, it's kind of you know you have. Saved it as it were a bit, you know. It does not to make it sound like the Phoenix Club, but you know, <laughs> it has, has sort of like being able to elevate it and shift it and save it to this this great kind of institutional art center. You've got touring artists coming. You're becoming a a hub of the community, the adult college, and then of course, you know, COVID has hit, and and again, what what I think the story of the organisation, your story of leadership, has done is to again rethink the possible so so it'd be great just to, to hear you know you've alluded to it a bit but the the work you've currently been doing as a food bank yeah.
2: so we we shut a few days early on the, on the nearly a year ago the first covid lockdown we we our members here on a sunday the kind of pub members are are very elderly and all of them have copd i think or some form of some like the idea of opening was just too, so we shut early and that made us actually very unpopular and that's quite important i think because we've made a lot of um, very difficult decisions in the last year that's made us very popular but I, but I, I kind of always drag people back to it. it's the difficult it's the honest and kind of transparent nature of it not the not we we, uh, we, were, we weren't treated as very heroic when we shot the club uh, in that first that first one and then the and then we we decided that we wouldn't go home obviously uh We were funded in a way that we didn't need to stay up and to keep getting paid, but it felt dishonest or or, or something negative to go home and hide. So we put a, a letter through the 200 nearest people who lived to the club saying, we're still here. We've got a van. We've got some money. If you need help, let us know. Don't be scared. And then and that went that was fine we were doing like little odd jobs for people and doing picking up shopping and walking dogs and then the council rang and said we've heard what you're doing that's great could you do it for the whole ward and and uh, I said yeah of course how hard can that be and that and that began uh nearly a year of of basically for a long time if you rang the city council and said i've got a problem because of covid because you've got a shield you've got any money or food or your dog needs walking or you've lost your prescription that if you lived in the seven and a half thousand households immediately around the club came straight to us and we would we had an amazing team of volunteers we were given and we would just service that as time went on what became clear is that stuff's important and nearly doing but it wasn't it wasn't all we could do and it also wasn't needed we live in an area of incredible food poverty now it's true in Holbeck that most people aren't going to die tomorrow because they haven't eaten anything for a week that's true but it is also true that there are many many houses and I'm talking hundreds of families who don't quite understand if they have enough food for tomorrow's lunch and they don't know what they might eat tomorrow's dinner or if they do that's because they're not going to spend any money on anything else and they're not going to buy new shoes for school year or they're going to do without something else and because of our logistical skills, we, as a theatre company, we make very big shows. We're very, we're very good at moving things around, and and because of our connections with the kind of food politics, it became clear that we could get hold of a lot of food that was either free or very cheap or about to be thrown away, and we could start to be a non-means-tested self-referral food bank. Now, most food banks you have to be referred by the government or local government or someone, and. We're not unique, but we were rare in saying, if you need food, come to us, ask us for it and we will give it to you. So last year, in 10 months, we did 8,188 food referrals. So these these are boxes with about eight bags in this fresh fruit and veg and milk and bread. Um, and this year, we, we carry on doing that. We're doing about 200 a week at the minute. I think it will tick up as, as this lockdown. Um, and that that proved to be unbelievably uh, uh, just comforting to some people. It also completely transformed our relationship with our local community. So even though we've been here for ten years and in the club for two years, there was plenty of people who'd never heard of us, and, and all of a sudden there's a whole new group of people. Especially to the children, if you go to our local primary schools and say who are Slung Low, they'll say, oh, you were the guys that put the play on, or you are the guys that made that book, or but most of them will say you're the guys that deliver our food, and. Um, for a theatre company, that's an unbelievable thing to have happened. It has completely changed who we are and how people see us. Um,
1: it's unbelievably <laughs> difficult. It's a lot of work. It's cost a lot of money,
2: but it's been worth yeah. it.
1: It's. I mean, it's amazing, uh, but but it's also it's it's an unbelievable shift that 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 um, actually a lot more people could have made right, and and I think it's it's sort of like it's it's looking at the resources you had around you, i.e. trucks, i.e. a venue, i.e. the ability to mobilise, like you were talking about, and saying, well, how else can we be useful at this time? And I know you've got some of those core values which you uphold, but I think it's that, you know, opportunity to see how you can still be of value, still add use, be be helpful to these, you know, community that that's really... Brilliant. Yeah,
2: I, absolutely. I mean, two, two of our values will be useful and be kind and, and the idea that we were going to go home and do nothing for 10 months. Um, I think also, I, I mean, one of the things has always been is that artists are incredibly durable and inventive people. And for us, this is storytelling. The, sto- the story we're telling last year is if you are in Holbeck and Beeston, you will not go hungry now what an amazing and the, and the easiest way to tell that story dom was just to make it true it's just it's so much easier than than the propaganda needed it was just easier just to say well here's a phone number and you ring it and we bring you food it's just, it is as simple as that uh, and our funders immediately got it and went absolutely crack on and i was really disappointed that that more broadly and there were some amazing examples of people being inventive last year in the art sector but there was many many more where um where there was an opportunity to be to be imaginative, and actually, I think that's the failing that I, 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 I think really should cut us as a sector is that our job is to be imaginative, and in that moment we weren't, we weren't imaginative, and we, and we, and we collectively got really scared, and I think that's the other thing that I, I feel about leadership is leadership makes you braver. Um, and that might be fake bravery sometimes, but that's okay. Because like everything else, smile for the first hour of the day, you're gonna have a good day. The trick is just keeping the smile on your face for the first sixty minutes. And last year, having these this responsibility, having these acts of leadership that we had to perform in our community, made us braver. It made us. It made us kinder. It made us. It made us. We were. We stayed open every single day last year, and we were able to do so much for people. Mm. And that was. It was worth every every effort. Every ounce of effort. And
1: and it was also, I think, you know, I think... Obviously, the food, but it was more than that. It was the reliability. It was the, the the connection, right? It was probably conversations with some people that were were lonely and and hadn't actually spoken to another person. And 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 then again, it was also you, you you mentioned the the response of inventiveness and creation as well. It was the the community art project as well that that you managed to do, which again I just think is a a brilliant story of of you know really simple uh you know just just utilizing the google earth technology but to be able to make people feel really connected at a time when they're really isolated and really torn apart by something you know more so than ever you're you're showing how you know the act of creativity and the act of 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 connection is something which is so powerful at the moment and it'd be great just to yeah hear a bit about what that was we
2: just we put a flyer through every single house in our in area so even though they were locked up and we knew they were scared and and it was during that first lockdown that was really 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 very scary for lots of people that they were still capable of great acts of creativity and we believed in them. and if they made a painting or a photo or any or anything a drawing, um, and they rang us on this number, we would come around and take a picture of it and we would print it on a big waterproof board and put it on the lamppost. So when they went for their Boris bimble and walked around the area, they would be walking around an art gallery made up of the art of the people who lived in the houses. And this was, I mean, we, we did many other things last year. We had a silly game show. We put on shows in car parks. We did all sorts of things. But every single one of those was about us sitting down and saying, okay, where do we think our people are now? Oh, they're here. Okay. And they're in the houses and they're scared. Okay. Well, let's try and make them feel powerful. And, and, and when they leave the houses, let them give them something to look at. That's the art gallery. And then we had, we did a book for the local kids because we realised that some of the kids... Eight-year-olds who didn't have a single book. And we're like, right, well, let's make a book for them. And so all of these ideas came from just the simple question of where are our people at and where and where do we want them to be? Where do we want to lead them to? Um and that and that was incredibly uh, empowering, not just for us, but 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 the art done was amazing. I mean, it was genuinely all this art that was made by people who Anyone, who don't consider themselves to be artists, was of a standard that, you know, we've had it printed and, and lay it all around the club now because we can't quite... It's amazing how how brilliant it is. Um, and people loved it and they came out into the streets. And again, people who'd never had any anything to do with it. So from a, a, an entirely sort of corporate organisational point of view, people who'd never had anything to do with us now felt like we had made them braver and, and feel powerful.
1: Again, that's so much to do with the... Um the context in which that that is framed you know it's not just that it's a painting of a flower it's the the story that 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 goes alongside that and that that elicits and what what that was an act of and I think so much um uh again if 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 the work we do and how this resonates for me is you know that 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 goes back to oftentimes people focus just on whatever that flower is. You know, they focus on the thing rather than the context of why it's important and the story and the building around that. And often it's, you know, a model of leadership, which is just, you know, a command and control, do this. Well, why? You know, tell me a bit more about the context, the story. Why, you know, and, 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 you know, help me understand why, you know, in this instance, that that painting of a flower resonates as well, because it's connected with so many more people, because it's an act of, you know, bringing us all together. All, all of that, which is often missed out in the, in the retelling of, of stories. Last year was horrible
2: for so many people. And I think one of the things that became really clear to me is the reason why it's so horrible is we were, as a nation were incapable of creating a story in which we could all be heroic and we need stories in which we can all be heroic not not the heroism of of jason the argonauts or or iron man but just the simple heroism of of we are we are pulling together to do this the simple story that says stay at home dom because if you do you're helping jimmy over there who's 104 live we just we fail to connect that up exactly as you say the context we 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 failed to tell the story as a nation to ourselves in the way that, and the annoying thing is, one of the things that Britain is brilliant at is telling that story. Dunkirk, the Blitz, we're amazing about telling about it in the past. The NHS, London 2012. There are moments when all those volunteers who came down and ran the Olympics, there are moments when we say, look, this group of people are doing something that has a, has a, a benefit for the common. The, the common endeavour, the, the nation. And last year, we just couldn't find it. We just couldn't quite manage it. And it was so frustrating um, because all the work that scientists did all the work that doctors did all the work that everybody was doing just needed a context to bring it together so that so that it just had an added value than than the sum of its parts and we failed that and now we're in a place where people don't trust each other and they're shopping their neighbors and they're going out and all of that stuff comes from not behavior that comes from the the inability to tell a story Mm. it is possible as a nation to tell that story and we have failed and and that that when we look back will be the great failure of our time is that we just stopped doing that we need that otherwise we just become a bunch of individuals um looking after ourselves and our families and no good comes from that
1: Oh, it's a bit much, of that,
2: would not it? Oh, I've got all Marxist ranting. This is this is for this is for Impact International, not the Communist Worker, Alan. Yeah, yeah. no, no it's,
1: it's all good stuff. Don't worry. It would be good to talk a bit more about the immediate team that you know that that make up the, the organisation. You mentioned some of those core values you've got, but I know some of the other ones are around actually individuals being able to sort of um, you know lead and do what it is that they want. Um, how how does that sort of Show up Yeah,
2: there's there's six of us in the team. So as long as I was made up of six people, uh, Matt, two Ruths, a Joanna, and a Sally, and myself, uh, there is the aspiration that we are a group of equals. And I think that I think that is true right up until the fact that I will always take responsibility. In, in our day job, we do we take a lot of risk. We make big shows, things on fire, people jumping off stuff. Normally a helicopter or two. So there is just the practicality that some at some point someone has to legally sign something. But up until that point. We try really hard. We all get paid the same. So everybody at Slamlow is on a buyout contract of the average wage of the nation or what was a couple of years ago. It's 28 grand. And in that sense, I'm constantly trying to create an environment in which people are empowered. And some of that is about challenge. So we do a lot of adventure training and we do a lot of... Some of that is about just understanding that education full stop is important. So there is a training budget that people can do anything they want. They learn to do all sorts of stuff that have got nothing to do with what we're doing. Um, And and that works i think the thing that, that we've all, i've also come to understand is that some people don't want to be in charge and that that's okay <laughs> that, that, that 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 if it's a genuine group of equals then people don't also, So, for example i would talk to you there might be one or two members of the team who if I, if I wasn't available i say go talk to dom you'll have a good time and they would but anyone would be empowered to but some people just choose not to mm. and that, that we've slowly surely come to 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 realize that everybody is slightly different. And that's good, because I think for a long time, I was like, no, everybody needs to, no, you need to go on the telly. And there's some members of the team are like, I would rather chop my leg off than do this, please. And coming to understand that that doesn't make them less valuable or less powerful, but it does make them different. Um, if we are gonna decide to do something like a food bank, then I sit down and I will, of course, I'm say, this is the context. This is what I think we should do. These are the moral reasons why I think we should do it. Who's with me? And we live in a world where they do sometimes go no, and I go great. Bring bring me to where you are, then get me get me there, so I can be I can be on your side of this argument. And that's real. It's not real all the time. Sometimes you're like sometimes we just have to go and empty a van full of stuff. And there is a bit of transactional leadership of just like come on everybody, let's go. <laughs> but, um, but 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 uh, but as much as possible, it is it, everyone is empowered to lead the team. I think what we get with that is we get a reasonably kind of contemporary organisation in the arts. The arts is very traditional. Its, it's, it's models are, have been around for more than 100 years. And so, for, for example, everyone in this company gets to decide whatever their job title is and can change it whenever they want as well. And I'm waiting for the day done when someone really goes to town and is like, I am grand dragon trainer. Uh, but they don't. <laughs> they do kind of ordinary things. Um, but But trying to get people to really feel powerful is what, I'm about. Alongside that, I do. I'm, I mean, there is real rigor. We we have standards. We hit them. If we don't, then then that then then we work really hard to make sure they do. There's no there's no there's no softness to that. Um, and I think those two things work out for us. I think we're capable of achieving great things considering how small we are. And a lot of that is to do with our equality.
1: And that, and that comes so much down to just yeah. At the center of that is like. You know, good trust and good relationships, I guess, between you all. But that, that ability to to just have great people around you in service of a common purpose i think is is you know and and not worry necessarily about how that is is organized so much i think there's so much that would resonate with with startups you know in terms of how they think about how what what they're doing at the moment often i know that the, a lot of the work we do is you know the problem comes when startups suddenly exponentially grow and then they have to do what's seen as being a kind of like uh traditional and more grown up and formal thing, which is in, introducing, you know, much more rigorous structures, much more, you know, complicated bureaucratic systems that are in place. But but again, to hark back to stuff that you've spoken so brilliantly about, that's just a story. That's just a thing that's been invented. When you run an organisation, you have to have in place all of these things, because that's how it says it runs on the tin. I've got one more question. Is that all right? Yeah, it is with me. Well, I I just thought it'd be really good to hear a bit about, I mean, so much that you've talked to has um, for me about, it is a story of great courage, great creativity, but it's also great. It must be about great resilience as well. There must've been times where you've just gone, what am I doing? Or, or, or the, the real hard days or finding the kind of grit to keep going. Um, it'd be great just to, to, to hear you sort of reference that a bit. Yeah,
2: I, I think that it's very easy to do the right thing in retrospect because it's so obvious. I, I, I watched Dunkirk over Christmas. I don't really see that film, but everybody knows the story of Dunkirk. Mm. and It's so obvious now, isn't it, to think, well, of course I would do that. But actually, those boats that went out, the Navy was saying, don't you dare, turn back. They were saying, no, you can't do that. They, they just decided that's what was necessary. And as they were doing it, yes, there's the, you know, you're worried you're going to get blown up and all that other stuff. But there's also just that point, I think, I find this the hardest point where you go, have I just become an egotistical maniac? Like, we're a theatre company and we decided that we're going to run a non means tested self referral food bank. Before I even knew what non means tested self referral, we just said, everybody who wants food is going to get it. Let's do that and we'll work out the rest later. And all these other people who work in social care, who run the social care for the council, are saying you can't do that. And I'm like, why? And they're saying because that's not how it works. Because you'll have loads of crack addicts at your door. Because if people can just get food for free, why would they go to work? And I'm thinking, I don't believe any of those things. They all sound nonsense to me. I'm going to keep giving away this free food. Or we are. We would sit around and, and we would all go, Have we just gone a bit mad? Are we just? Do we think we're like? Have we gone egotistic? That's the tough part because. Because you go, no, 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 we're not. No, we're right. We're fine. We're fine. And the next day someone comes in and you're full of that thing. You're full of that certainty. And then you behave in a certain way and you go, oh, no, hang on a minute. I've gone too far there. And that con- that's the bit, the actual grind of getting up day after day after day is you, you just find that within yourself. You just, you go, I made a- I made a promise, Dom. We made a promise. It- if I say something out loud, especially if I say it on social media, we are going to do it. And it drives them mad downstairs. They're like, no, no, no. I said, we were going to make a book and give it to everyone, every child in Holbeck and And They were like, no, don't. Oh God, it's going to cost us now. I was like, that's why I said it. Let's do this. Because if I made a promise, I'm going to see it through to the end, no matter what. The bit that I think in in terms of resilience is being absolutely certain that when you demand change in the world, you're right. And I think I've never found a solution to that. I think, you know, I, I, I we're we really, really rigorous here. We go at it until we're absolutely certain. And then when we're absolutely certain, we turn that river to the world and everybody gets out our way. Uh, and and that, that, I'm so lucky to be within a team that when we finally go, yeah, are we sure? Are we sure we've done this? Yeah, we've argued about this. Is everyone on? The, yeah, then let's go. And we pit all the thrusters and that certainty in the gang... Is, is the only thing that keeps me going because I think in resilience terms that's the bit I find hardest not the oh my god I've got to tip this van in the rain or this is day 300 or I've got to go and talk to that smack addict again and he's going to shout at me it's the bit where I go am I right because if I'm wrong I'm just unbearable and mm. that's the only courage I need the rest of it is just is, is is being too, is being too embarrassed to not keep your promise. <laughs> that's, you know,
1: that's the bit that I find really hard. Hey, it would be it would be remiss of me not to ask: is there is there a is there a promise you're going to make now on this social platform? On this social platform, I, I I don't know what what should we what should we do
2: together? What should we do? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> we good in there good i tell you the big thing this year that we've been to talk about is we, we're going to set up a leadership college we're really excited by this an outdoor leadership college that's our next big project once we've got this food bank thing knacked. and um as soon as that's uh we we run on wood we manage 16 acres of wood and as soon as that's that's up and running i'd love you guys to come up and have a look and uh and uh tell us what you think that'd be amazing
1: i think a collective endeavor yes coming to visit your forest would would be wonderful i think we should also um yeah Let's dream on and think of something up. I'm sure it would be brilliant. Um, but um, any final final thoughts that you'd like to to leave us with, Alex? It's been a real delight to to be in conversation with you today.
2: Yeah, no, I've had a, an awful lot of. I, lo- I love doing these things. I, I, you always learn so much more about yourself, don't you? I kind of haven't quite realised how uh, how much that moral resilience is the thing that really, really, uh, really troubles me more than anything else. It's easy getting out of bed every day and going to work. It's making sure you you're right is the hard bit. I think. Mm.
1: Well, on that on that final thought thanks so much for joining us Al. and you thanks for having me mate okay be well my friend thank you so much
0: massive thank you to both dom and alan for taking the time to record their conversation for us before we end this episode we thought it might be good to leave you with some questions to have a think about what is the story of your organization what is the story that is not being told about your organization What story do you want to tell the world about your organisation? If you want to find out more about Impact, you can visit our website at impactinternational.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, where we share loads of amazing videos, blog articles, and of course, more stories. Thank you very much for listening, and until the next time, take care.